0: Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. The
1: price you paid for my life, God's perfect sacrifice, sufficient for me. The blood of God to atone, my sin you made your own. You have said. You alone have risen, you alone have saved us You alone have rescued us from the grave Glories to reign now, all creation cries out You alone are king You alone
0: Good Saturday afternoon to you. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin first part of the show, what we attempt to do is to share with you what we're trying to do, and Victory Over Sin is actually funded by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul's Southwest Idaho's uh, organization. And what we attempt to do with this program, and with that money, if you will, is to educate you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to be incarcerated and to come out of incarceration and live life in the community. We do that in several different ways. One of them is this radio show, which has actually been going for about five years now. If you're inclined to, you can go to KBXL's uh, webpage and look under the archive section, and you can look up Victory Over Sin and check all the past shows. There you're gonna find all sorts of uh, people who have been on the radio show, directors of the Department of Corrections, state officials, state legislators. We've actually had people come directly out of incarceration to the radio studio. We've had people who actually were on their way back in. One gentleman was about to go back in. He was on the radio show. So you'll get a full uh, introduction, if you will, to the full ramifications of people who are attempting to help returning citizens here in the state of Idaho. It's a good body of work. We're proud of it. Check it out when you need to or you can, and we hope that helps you. Uh, In addition to that, pre-COVID... We had a PowerPoint presentation, we still have it for that matter, a PowerPoint presentation that we will present to your community group, to your organization, to your church, if you will. And the great thing about this is that it's about a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation. It is led by a returning citizen themselves. So they come out, make the presentation, and then answer questions about life incarcerated uh, and uh, the success or difficulties going forward. We hope to do that again soon when some of this COVID stuff kind of eases. So we look forward to that. If you've been listening to me over the past, certainly years, you know that we've made some changes in terms of the offices that we have. And we are now located in two offices. One is at 3217 Overland Road. That's in Boise. That office is open nine to 12. And what we attempt to do to that office, in that office is to greet everybody that comes out of incarceration their first day and some vouchers and then link them up with resources, can help them throughout the next 48 hours if they're so inclined. If you need a ride out of incarceration uh, and you're in the desert out there, have your, contact your case manager and say, we'd like Mark to pick you up and we will do that too. So the case manager can send me an email and we'll be happy to pick you up also. In addition to that, we've got an office now in Caldwell. It's on Cleveland Boulevard. And ironically, this office is inside Probation and Parole, the District 3 office there. So if you're going to read to District 3 and you're talking to your PO, you can actually connect up with St. Vincent de Paul there and get those same resources there. Uh, In addition, over the years, what we've done, because we've grown so much, is we divided up some of the services that were at those offices and put extra services like employment and our addiction program. We put those over on the Fairview office where administration is now. But we're happy to explain all of that to you as you go forward. Also, if you're making notes and you're driving around, one way to figure all this out is to go to a website that's really sophisticated in which you will find all this, and that's at www.svdpid.org, and click on reentry. entry And uh, that's, that's a good way to find out everything. If you have questions, there's always a way to link to me or to staff people, and we will get back to you. I'm excited about a guest we've got today. We're going to talk about St. Vincent de Paul, new directions, and how we communicate and let you know what's going on in the organization. We'll be right back with that.
2: The Idaho Justice Project is a new statewide nonpartisan organization to improve Idaho's justice system. Idaho has the third highest rate of people under corrective control in the entire country. Idaho's jails and prison are beyond capacity, but most are there for nonviolent crimes like drug addiction or probation and parole violations. The Idaho Department of Corrections spent over $309 million in 2020. 37% of people released from prison in 2016 reoffended within three years. 62% of Idaho's yearly prison admissions are for a probation or parole violation, the highest rate in the country. The average probation term in Idaho has grown by 109% since 2000. As of June 30, 2020, there were over 17,000 Idahoans on probation or parole. One out of every 38 adults is on probation in Idaho. For more information on how you can help and get involved with the Idaho Justice Project, go to 3217 West Overland Road, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to noon, and ask for Mark.
0: Okay, like I said, I'm excited today to have um, a new person in the uh, chair across from me today who's just come on board with um, St. Vincent de Paul. Her name is Marissa Rule, and she is actually the new marketing communications manager for St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. Welcome.
3: Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: this is, those of you that don't know, she's new and she's kind of taken over for a gentleman who had the job. How long did he have the job? He had it for what?
3: I'm not sure. I know he's been helping out for a few years.
0: Yeah. He was uh, like our whiz kid in terms of marketing stuff. And so people were saying, what's going to happen when Grant leaves? And actually, it's been very pleasant to see you come on and uh, take on an energy that's really, really positive. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from, born, all that kind of good stuff.
3: Yeah, so I was born in Portland, Oregon. I have two younger brothers, um, very close-knit family, very blessed to be a part of that. And I went to school, got good grades, was your average kid, um, decided that I wanted to move to Boise, Idaho don't know why anybody would not want to live here. (laughs) It is the best place.
0: Was it a choice then by nobody else had been here? Did you know somebody here or just decided I'm going to go to school in BSU? Yeah, my
3: entire family went to University of Oregon. So that was a that was a little bit of a disappointment uh, between the University of Oregon and Oregon State. Uh, But once I had my mindset per usual, I was sticking to it. (laughs) And my parents are like, what are you going to do in Idaho? And Believe it or not, they moved here shortly after I graduated because they loved it so much.
0: Yep. You know, it's a. Uh, I've been here since 95, and I think I sort of poo pooed it too for a mm-hmm. while. And after, I think it was, uh, that's a long time, but I think I finally declared myself an Idahoan about four years ago. It just really does grow on you. And you, I think you find it when you go outside the state and you see the messes in yeah. different places. And I mean, Uh, You go to New York, and you see the just crazy places. I I figured out that I'm suddenly, I'm an Idahoan, and I didn't even realize it.
3: I know. Going back to Portland for holidays or any reason, I am really shocked to see just how different these cities are between the two of them.
0: It's just amazing. It I, really I, was, I was a Californian before I came here, and I always consider myself a Californian. And uh, it is just—I'm so happy that I made the choice when I made the choice. And yep, uh, we always—we have to uh, be cautious because people will hear our voice and they'll come mm-hmm. here too. And there's already too many people here. It seems. See,
3: like. I think I have a different approach. I'm—I'm I'm saying, welcome, come on over, because the quality of life is just so much better, more space, and everybody is nice and. There are so many people making such great efforts to better the community, uh, and that's something that I would, I'm would i honored to be a part of.
0: Yeah, Well, that's cool. That's the best attitude to have. Well, that's your youth. You're optimistic. <laughs> I'm getting older, and I'm saying to get off my lawn kind of thing. That's what <laughs> so you went to BSU. What did you study when you went to school at BSU?
3: I studied business management and marketing. Uh, Boise State has an amazing program. I originally came uh, to Boise State because they have a nursing program. And that was the thought. However, I realized I would be a terrible, terrible nurse. Um,
0: How did you come to that insight?
3: One of my biology classes where we were studying uh, skin rashes, and I could barely sit there. So I (laughs) realized quickly, this is probably not the career path for me. Um, (laughs) I was minoring in business at the time, and I loved my classes. I, I knew that was always something that I had really enjoyed, so... Quick pivot and drop the nursing. Best of luck to all of you nurses out there. Healthcare. Oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, I transitioned to business and I loved it. Graduated and I've been doing what I love since then.
0: Yep. You know, one of the things I was looking at your background too was your association with the Women's and Children's Alliance. That mm-hmm. they're they're really good people. How did you get cooked up with them? And
3: yeah, so actually, uh, I joined a sorority when I was a freshman in college and I was new to the area, so I was not fully aware of all of the amazing organizations. And we had partnered with them on many different occasions since domestic violence (sighs) is uh, the philanthropy associated. Uh, So working with them and raising money for different programs, uh, just seeing the work that they're doing for a, a very specific group of people who really need that extra hand um, and are in a vulnerable position are no longer vulnerable because of this organization. And it's, it's really amazing to see the work that they've done.
0: Yeah, they're one of the pillars who've been there for a long time, and you don't hear too much about them. But, you know, I chart at least because of some of the uh, relationships that they have Mm -hmm. with the power structure in terms of media and stuff that just are normal for them. And uh, some of us work real hard now to gain that kind of access in some ways that's your new role just to develop those contexts too but they're linked up strongly with some people that i would love to be associated with so that's that's powerful yeah
3: yeah they really brought to the forefront a silent issue and i think that that's something that speaks volumes
0: and they do it with um an elegance and a grace i guess you would say that i think will be the same Absolutely. A mandate for you, I think, in some ways, really. That's the hope. Yeah, fantastic. You also seem to, my by my mind, St. of Paul is a, certainly a volunteer organization. We're volunteer-led. Mm-hmm. You're starting to figure that out. They don't expend money on lots of salaries or anything. They try to raise everything that they can. You really got thrown into uh, an onslaught of events right when you came on yeah. in terms of everything that was going on. What was that like?
3: So, honestly, I have never had a position where that was not the case. Oh, good. So, so a slow start is not necessarily something I am accustomed to. Uh, So, that was really, it was a really great way to get feet on the ground and get going. Um, When we did our Summerfest event, um, seeing how many people came together in support of an organization that has such a wide reach, uh, that was really, really amazing and being able to see the people who work with us and fund us really get to realize the impact that we have. I mean, that's that's the receipt on the donation right there. So that was great.
0: Yeah. And I think that's good that you really got that right away too, because um, what the public doesn't know, but you and I sit on a leadership meeting every Wednesday, and so it's really good to be able to see the diversity of all the things that we Mm -hmm. do because uh, you'll find, if you haven't already, is that you're going to be able to work independently in your role, but you have to have knowledge of what everybody else does. And it's it's really one of the best aspects of my job in that I know that St. Vincent de Paul and Treasure Valley has my back in terms of reentry issues. And I know that the executive director that we work for allows me certainly tons of creativity as long as I run by stuff and we're mm-hmm. in the same yeah. Uh But it's like, uh, go, go, go until you until I tell you stop. And so you're going to have that same kind of insight.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons that I am passionate about marketing. I think marketing typically has a connotation of sales. I'm trying to get you to buy something. I'm trying to get you to do something. Um, but I take a little bit of a different approach Um, No matter what industry, I've worked in bank security, I've worked in healthcare, um, no matter what industry, my focus is always to educate uh, and to explain what it is that we are doing because that's the missing link, I think, so much is people don't know what's out there. They don't know the resources that they have. They don't know the services that are offered. And that's one thing that I really want to get out there with St. Vincent de Paul is it's such a wide range, but each one of those has... A team that is on the ground, and they are doing absolutely everything.
0: Yeah, that's why I like um, certainly the energy that you bring to that leadership group because we have a, we tend to be uh, top heavy in terms of our age, I guess. And <laughs> so uh, you you're a new voice, a young voice that we, we need. And so that's that's great to have you there in that, ca- that capacity. Um, in addition to that, too, you did stuff with um, COVID. Tell me about what you did a little bit before you came to there came to the yeah. principal.
3: So like I said, I've never really had a career opportunity where I didn't hit the ground running. Um, and my previous role was with AFC Urgent Care. Uh, they have urgent cares uh, in the Treasure Valley, they have one in New Mexico, um, and then they're opening several more. Uh, I seem to be
0: popping up all over the oh place. Oh my goodness,
3: yeah, it's it's insane. They are doing such amazing work. Um, I was originally hired to do business development for them, which is a fancy way to say marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, And roughly two weeks later, uh, we went into lockdown. So in that two week span, it was COVID, not in Idaho, doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. oh, it's somewhere else. It's only in big cities. And then short time later, it is full lockdown, And my regional operations manager had uh, gone down to New Mexico to manage the outbreak there. Uh, So I was left in Idaho brand new and was running our centers um, and really just trying to keep the flow going. It was, it was pretty insane, but I really got a lot of tools in my professional toolbox from that one.
0: I, we had to almost had the similar sort of thing with uh, the Department of Corrections. I know part I've kind of implied in the opening that we picked people up. Mm-hmm. There would always be like one particular officer at one of the institutions said, nope, we don't have anything here, none of that stuff here. We're all on top of it, da, yeah. da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden it just turned, and when it turned, it turned quick. And uh, everybody was infected, and everybody, and it just— spread throughout yeah, all the institutions but was, there was, was a chaos. that that arrogance that oh my heavens we've got this look at them right. we're screening them as they come in mm-hmm. and everybody's this and everybody's careful and then all of a sudden it was just everywhere right and then they were in lockdown and I think in some ways if you certainly know of people who are in the system now we're still struggling to get volunteers back in and staff is off and it's just been chaotic so. right
3: well and I think that was one sector that a lot of people didn't fully consider and you saw that so quickly i mean with so many people going in and going out and all of that and being in a confined space it's like a school Mm
1: -hmm.
3: it's it's gonna spread and it's just unfortunate uh to see the lack of preemptive response whereas it was it was a little late in the game
0: Yeah. Well, in part, like I said, some of the things that we've uh, talked about so far, I'm excited about the aspect that you and I seem to be on the same page of defining the work for the general public, and I now see you as a partner in that, too. So. Um, it's always been my sense that that's my job is to explain to mm-hmm. the people who are listening to us today who don't necessarily understand the Department of Corrections right. uh, how impactful it can be and is on the state of Idaho. So I'm, I welcome you in that kind of aspect. Um, I know that you're doing lots of stuff for St. Vincent Paul and all this stuff, but as slowly as you start to see what we do, Hopefully, you'll be a partner in trying to help me explain to the world about certainly the world of incarceration, how yeah. much it costs, and more importantly, how much of an impact it has on the emotional well-being mm-hmm. of, a, of a family when a person's let, taken off to incarceration for an undetermined amount of years here mm-hmm. in the states. So it's a there's an emotional cost as well as a financial cost. So.
3: Absolutely. And I think it's also really important for the community to have exposure to that. I think that's a big missing piece uh, because it, a lot of people can take that and out of sight, out of mind, but it really is impacting people who are right next to you and you might not know that. And having a broader sense of what it means to be a part of the community and to support each other and to have perspective, that's that's everything.
0: And I think too, uh, certainly you've heard me say this before, if you're listening, it's like... I think the statistics are close to 98 percent of the people who live in the desert outside of Boise, they're all coming back to community. So let's uh, recognize that fact from the start, and let's uh, appreciate that those people are going to be blending back into mm-hmm. community. So let's kind of desensitize it to uh, the fact that whatever they did, that they're coming back, and let's learn to address it, right. live with it, and then understand it for that matter.
3: Well, and that's why reentry programs like yours are so important, because it is a, it's a full transition. And I, I truly see that there are so many missing links um, and really integrating back into society. And as a community, we also need to extend that olive branch and welcome and, and know that time has been served and get back to it.
0: Yeah. I also think too, that I think you'll be a partner in helping me kind of Um, address the issue that as you're coming out and if you're driving around, you're on parole or you're um, trying to figure out uh, um, do I keep this to myself or do I share this, that your story is important and the way that all of this will change, the way all of um, society in Idaho will understand what you've been through, what I've been through and what the people who are following us out of incarceration will need to address. If you come forward and start helping me articulate what happened to you and share that with you, then Everybody gets desensitized to what happened and it becomes something that's normal. It's a lot like AIDS was, or a lot like, you know, COVID. COVID, or a lot like even, you know, the breast kind of awareness kind of stuff, like cancer awareness. Those things are just normal now because we've been educated about what it's about. Right. It's the same thing, I think.
3: Well, and there's just so much that happens having a conversation with someone. And I think it's easy to segment and to determine that an entire group of people is X, Y, or Z. That's never the case. And you can always gain so much more by talking and understanding and listening to an individual who has gone through some portion of their life that really determined a lot for them. And I think there's a lot of growth. And I think there's a lot of information and perspective that they can share.
0: Yeah, we did. And we've done that historically before you're there with some great videos and that I assume we're going to con- continue with yeah. uh, and I'm looking forward to doing so that uh, we had drones and all kinds of stuff <laughs> one of the things that was the most exciting I think was a program that we're going to be doing again is uh, the cookies for max is going to be ex- going to be expanded this year and as I sit here I'm not quite sure how we're going to pull it off in early part of October but we've made the uh, commitment to do cookies for every institution in the state of Idaho and where it had previously been just something that happened at Max and at the, the women's prison. But uh, we're going to make that work on a statewide basis this year. So you're going to be able to help me put that together and yeah, market that? Absolutely. Um, and so we don't, we're not sure what we're going to name it yet because Cookies for Max is what everybody knows it by. But we're going to try to make sure that everybody that's incarcerated this year has cookies coming from uh, the community to show, um, you know, certainly God's love to them. And to be something that's an extra treat around the Christmas holidays. So yeah. look forward to that. That's one of your big one of the things you've got on your plate for Yeah, four, the holiday
3: right? the holiday season is it's really ramping up. Yeah. But this one I'm very excited for. I think it's it's a small act of kindness that really radiates and it's a reminder not only to the people providing the cookies, but the people who are receiving them that there are people who care and people who think about them and people who are just wanting to send them a tap on the shoulder, we're still here.
0: And I think that's the thing. That's the concept. It started at Max because Max has approximately a population of 500, but the majority of the people who are in that institution are locked down 23 hours a day, seven days a week. So we'd always historically get cookies for them and put them on a bag, and then the religious volunteers would go around and mm-hmm. hand those out one to a week or so before Christmas. And it was always very powerful. So we think that's the same concept that – we're gonna to expand to all the different institutions and try to make it that same situation this year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The level of fellowship that is going to someone, providing them an act of kindness, that's that's lasting.
0: And I think that the great thing about the work we've been doing and that I'm excited about that we're going to do in the future is the fact that we've now got the Department of Corrections and in some ways, when I say the name GEO, you'll know that they were out there kind of providing services now with the Department of Corrections. And we see the third leg of that stool, if you will, as St. Vincent de Paul in attempting to uh, stabilize the person who's coming out of incarceration and to be that center. And what we get to do, quite frankly, is to do it from a private, from a Christian pr- kind of perspective mm-hmm. to provide that insight and that hope, which is what you're listening to me in a desert. That's what you need. You right. don't necessarily need to... Program to make you this great person as you come out. You really need some support in terms of making the right choices in terms of your life going forward.
3: Well, and someone also outside of that world.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so that's what I'm excited about for the future. And uh, we've got a great team. Um, Most of the people that uh, are in our reentry program at Saint Vincent de Paul that work for us all have lived experience. So that means they've they've experienced some type of incarceration in their past. And so it's a real credible kind of handoff as you come forward out of incarceration.
3: Well, and I think those are the best people to do it as well.
0: Absolutely. I'm preaching to the choir on that one. So anything you want to talk about before we close today? Like I said, I, I, I say this to you private, but I'll say it to you in public now too. It's really nice to see this energy from you coming on staff. And one of the great things that I get to do is to get exposed to the different sorts of people that St. Vincent de Paul and the people who work with people coming out of incarceration are attracted to and we really get to make some changes in the world and it's 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 not very lucrative but it's all kinds of fun
3: yeah you know a career in empathy and compassion is far more fulfilling if you ask me
0: absolutely she's gone she's got her head in the right spot (laughs) thanks (laughs) thank you so much for sharing with us today and we look forward to doing it again
3: yeah absolutely
1: Jesus, there's victory All the chains that were holding me Kept me locked in captivity Have been broken by grace so free When he poured out his cleansing blood Motivated by his great love Give me faith, I need to rise above And sing a song of how I've overcome
0: Okay. So, as you can see, I get to hang around with some nice people in St. Vincent de Paul, attract some staff that's doing good things for you guys out there. If you need to get in touch with me, I'm fairly easy to get in touch with. www.systemicchangeofid.com. It's a good place to start. Send me an email, Systemic Change of Idaho. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. Man, you can even call me on the phone if you want to. Area code 208 477 one zero zero six. We look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.